0: The following podcast is for healthcare professionals only. All views expressed belong to our speakers and don't necessarily reflect those of Nestle Health Science. This series was recorded in lockdown, so please forgive our audio quality while we didn't have access to a studio. Hello and welcome to Inside Medical Nutrition Podcast, a podcast powered by Nestle Health Science and hosted by me, Dr. Ninya Patel. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the use of blended diets in enteral nutrition. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by an expert in the field, Dr. Claire Thornton Wood, who is a pediatric dietitian. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Thank you. Really looking forward to having this conversation. So, to start off with, Um, it would be good if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into dietetics?
1: Well, being a dietitian is actually my third career. Um, As a young child, I was absolutely fascinated by science and how things worked. And I remember taking apart batteries, playing with my chemistry set, making shampoo with seawater, trying to brew strange things from orange juice. Um, But at that stage, my main love was music. Um, I played the oboe and the piano, and I still do to this day, play uh, principal oboe in several orchestras. Um, so I naturally sort of progressed from that and went on to study music at university. But then science kind of started to come back into it, and um, I did my final year project and then my PhD on the acoustical and mechanical properties of oboe reeds, um, and these are made from a grass. So after a few years of uh, playing and teaching, once i graduated I moved into sales and events management. And then I had my children, and I started to become increasingly kind of fascinated with how food affected children's growth and their health and their behaviour. And I also love food and I love cooking. Um, So I did a little bit of research and I found that I could actually study dietetics at the University of Surrey, which is not too far from where I lived. Um, They made me go and do an A level in human biology to prove that I could still study because obviously quite a few years had passed. And yeah, the rest is history, really. So I did my degree and I knew right from before I did the degree that I really wanted to go into paediatrics um, and I was lucky enough to be able to move into that quite quickly after just a year, really. Um, so since I, since I did that, I've studied quite a few master's modules in paediatrics and I've worked in acute settings and community settings in um, various different areas around the country. Really interesting. So what's your experience around nutrition and particularly blended diets? So I've seen a a lot of children um on on enteral nutrition um in all of my roles you know children with newer disabilities um that that's been a main focus of my work for a while but other people that have also needed enteral nutrition for various reasons at various times and I think um when I was first working in the community really that there was not much blended diet sort of talk around I think it was something that was a little bit underground and I certainly would come across people on my caseload who after you'd built a bit of a rapport with them they would actually come to you and say that there was something they wanted to tell you and and what they wanted to tell you was that they were actually um, doing a bit of blended diet and I think they were actually perhaps a little bit worried about what you were what you were going to say. But since that time, I think that the interest and the use of blended diets has really um, really increased a lot.
0: Yeah. So what's interesting is I'm a dietitian too, but it's definitely been a while since I worked with Entry Nutrition and blended Diets. So many of the listeners might be in a familiar place um, and others might actually not even have experience of a blended diet. So can we go back to basics a little bit? Um, what actually is a blended diet?
1: So a Blended diet is a term or blenderized diet is a term that we use to describe when um, people blend up um, real food, you know, the food that, that you or I would eat um, orally into a consistency that's similar to an enteral feed. And then they give that via a gastrostomy.
0: So why would a family be interested in um, going on a blended diet or getting their child on a blended diet?
1: There are... Um, many reasons why um, families want to um, try giving a blended diet. It could be that they're having tolerance issues such as vomiting, loose stools, diarrhoea, general abdominal discomfort um, and they've tried various central feeds and not really had much success and feel that they want to try a blended diet because they have perhaps heard that that you know sometimes results in in um, alleviating some of these symptoms. Other families want to start it for sort of more holistic reasons at a basic level they want to be able to feed their child like the rest of the family. I, I've had quite a few stories in, in my career about children who've had birthday cake for the very first time in their in their life so they've n- never eaten orally they probably never will eat orally but the family are able to um, say blends up a birthday cake for them and um, feed that that down the tube for them and the other thing is i think it's you know we all know that food is a very emotive issue food isn't really just about the nutrition get you get from it it's all about the the social experience the coming together the sharing of food and um I had another really nice story about a family where um, they had two children. One of them ate orally. One of them needed to be fed by gastrostomy. And they um, made up a plate of food and it had a sandwich and an apple and a yoghurt. And they showed it to the child who was fed by gastrostomy. And then they blended it to them and then they fed it via the gastrostomy and they really felt that they were including that child in you know sharing of the meal choosing of the meal sometimes anecdotally um families have reported when especially when they have older children that actually that the children say that they can taste the foods that are delivered via the gastrostomy because obviously they do depending on what you put in your blend they will tend to have a an aroma or or, or, or a taste even um, And and sometimes families have said actually that that's led to children showing a little bit more interest in, in trying to um, start feeding orally, if that's something that's safe for them to do. That's fascinating. So as a dietitian then, how do you get involved? Dietitians can be involved in a number of ways, and, and they're certainly um, w- really important in the process. It might be that they, well, first of all, they would support the family when they're having initial discussions about doing a blended diet. They will talk to them about what it involves, what the um, advantages might be, what the disadvantages, what they might expect um, and they might give some ideas of how how the family could start. They would also be involved probably in looking at the wider MDT and, and how that might need to be sort of brought in to support the, the child and the family when they're, when they're beginning their blended diet journey.
0: Yeah so you talk about an MDT,
1: um, so who's
0: involved within that MDT?
1: It depends a little bit on the uh, on, on the child, but generally, mo- most children would be under a paediatrician. There would be the GP. There might be a community nurse, a school nurse, um, speech and language therapists. Sometimes children have o- OT. Um, all, yeah, all, all sorts of people. Maybe um, other sort of healthcare professionals that are supporting them. If if the child goes to uh, respite, or um, if they go go to a hospice. That's really interesting.
0: So, within the MDT, who decides whether a child should start a blended diet or not?
1: It it can actually really be any member of the MDT that might suggest it to the child. And I think more and more I'm seeing um, paediatricians suggesting it as a route that the family might take. But also, I've seen nurses who perhaps they've um, you know been looking after other children that have been on blended diets and seen that it's been successful and, and the family have managed it well and the child has seen some, some benefits. And, and so they then pass on that sort of information to the other families. So there's, has there been an increase in the prevalence of Blender diets I, I don't have any figures for you, but I I would definitely say there's been an increase in the numbers of children that are coming through that are using blended diets, and I would say there's been a huge increase in the in the talking about it both amongst um, parents and also healthcare professionals and, and particularly dietitians. And do you think that actually just talking more about it, for example, parents has driven that increase? I think it I think it has driven it to a certain extent. I think it's driven by by its own merits you know it's something that that is giving some interesting outcomes so that drives it but also um i mean you know social media is is becoming more and more of a thing and 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 there are things on social media all the time and, and parents are definitely tapping into into that kind of thing
0: yeah i'm sure and also probably a demand for things that are more natural ingredients and things like that
1: yeah, I mean, I think some of the um interest in it is potentially driven a little bit more by um, parents wanting to feed what they perceive uh, to be kind of natural ingredients, like you know, plant maybe plant-based diets or um, yeah, things like that. Tell me a little bit about the British Dietetic Association policy on blended diets. The British Dietetic Association is um, is our professional body, as dietitians, and, and, and they do a lot of work to support us in the work that we do. And one of the ways they do that is they produce position statements on, on various topics. So very recently, the, the BDA brought out a new policy statement on um, the use of, of blended diets for um, for people who are entirely fed. Uh, and this was really important for dietitians because Prior to this coming out, the guidance had really been that dietitians shouldn't really be supporting families with their wish to do a blended diet. And I think dietitians felt in a really difficult position because, um, you know, perhaps on a personal stroke professional level, they felt that they wanted to support these families, but they felt that their professional body wasn't really um, giving them the kind of license to to do that. So, So that was really difficult. But um, the BDA put a lot of, uh, of work into that, you know, lots of dietitians put, put lots of work into that and um, felt that actually things had changed sufficiently that although it's recognised that uh, a medical formula is probably the best option for, um, for most children, that there are some um, children that actually benefit from a blended diet. And they wanted to be able to give dietitians the licence to sort of be able to discuss that with families.
0: Fantastic. So it sounds like um, dietitians working within nutrition are much more supported because they can kind of reference back to this policy document, which is really good. So the impact, you would say, has been positive?
1: I would say it's been really positive. I would say that it's made dietitians feel that at grassroots level that they can discuss this with families. Also, I think it's kind of fed into, you know, sort of higher up and um, more trusts and uh, you know maybe schools and and respite centres are are looking into how they can accommodate, how they can work with families that want to um, use a blended diet. Fantastic. So tell us about
0: some of the challenges perhaps that are associated um, with blended diets.
1: Do you have any case studies perhaps to discuss? Certainly, a blended diet is is not something that you um, you would rush into. It, it needs some careful thought on on the on the side of both the family and the and the dietitian. So a a lot of families will start quite slowly. They might start with um, just doing one meal or one snack. Often they seem to choose breakfast. and One way they start is perhaps by using pouches of baby food um, that's pureed. And then they use this either on its own or mix it with other liquids or blended foods or sometimes actually mix it with formula. And some families actually continue doing that and and then never sort of move on to anything else. Whereas some families will then move on to doing fully blended feeds or perhaps giving a blended feed as a bolus during the day and then um, continuing with an enteral feed overnight. So the challenges in terms of of a family, they need to have a little think about how they're going to manage it. The family needs to have a sort of level of understanding of the nutrients that you need to feed a child of, of whatever age they are. Um, but I think it's important to remember that there's millions of families all, all around the world feeding their children really quite adequately orally. And and so I think some families feel, um, why why do dietitians say that they have to have such a careful look at what's going on when they um, are feeding, when we're feeding it a blended diet? Because actually, you're not coming around to everybody's house looking at what you're feeding your child if they're just eating it. Are nutritional inadequacies perhaps a challenge as well? They can sometimes be a challenge. One route that parents take sometimes is that they do feed what you would um, feed a a child of of the same age, um, and and they feed the same kinds of foods in the same kind of quantities. But because of the way that you um, have to dilute the food down, you know, you have to put more liquid in in order to make it run through the the tube. Some of the nutrient quantity quality can be lost a little bit so that's one area where dietitians can can be really useful and they can um, advise on perhaps particular foods that you could add to boost the nutrient quantity of of that um, blended feed or sometimes we would suggest that they use a vitamin and mineral supplement um, usually just often an over-the-counter one that actually you might give to any any child and that's just popped into the into the blended feed yeah
0: and are there challenges in terms of school feeding perhaps or travel challenges as well and how do you overcome those challenges
1: school can be a bit of a challenge for for lots of reasons the first thing to think about is when you um if you've got a a bag of formula or bottle of formula then that's sterile and it doesn't matter Um, that you don't put it in in the fridge it can be transported um, you know backwards and forwards and and go out on day trips and things as soon as you're blending up real food and um, putting that into um, some kind of packaging which which is often people will store it in a a syringe then you are introducing the the potential for um, microbes because it's not sterile and you have to think when you're going to school how am I going to keep that at a suitable temperature what's going to happen to it when it gets to school and when it gets to school who's going to feed that to my child because there are some difficulties that can be associated with who can feed a blended feed to a to a child that don't uh, arise when you're just just feeding a formula. I think another interesting thing at school is quite a lot of families will use things like nut butters or ground almonds and things to boost the nutrient quality of the blends and I'm sure people are aware that most schools, certainly most primary schools, will have a no nut policy. So then that brings into play another consideration. What am I going to add to my feed that I give at lunchtime um, that doesn't have nuts in to, 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 to get everything that we need?
0: So I'm sure there's a lot of training needed in terms of training in schools and also educating of parents as well, right?
1: Yeah I mean it can be um, it can be quite time consuming for, for dietitians to sort of have the initial discussions with the family and then to talk to them about um, the kinds of things that they might put into their blends and to to monitor the children perhaps a little bit more closely than, than you would otherwise certainly in initial stages to make sure that everything's going well but I, I would say as a Dietitian, it's it's hugely rewarding um, you know particularly when you see the pleasure it can give the the families and and, and you can see some improvements in um, perhaps some symptoms that the children have had sometimes
0: and are there lots of resources
1: out there for parents to tap into ideas for recipes and things like that there are lots of ideas for recipes there are various books um that you can purchase on on the internet there are various websites that have been set up that have got recipes on them parents are, are often very active on social media um, exchanging recipes and asking for information on um, you know breakfast blends that contain this or that or a certain um you know number of calories i've, I've seen that quite often um and obviously dietitians um, will often have um maybe sets of recipes that they've that they've used before um that they can give to the the families
0: fantastic so what do you think the future looks like for blended diets and entry feeding
1: i think the the future for blended diets is actually really really exciting so the the bda are bringing out a toolkit for dietitians to um to to become sort of more skilled in 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 blended diets and and to use with families and that's going to come out later this year. It was unfortunately delayed um, from last year because of the pandemic. Um, I think commercial feed companies are, are going to perhaps start to need to consider that you know this landscape is really changing and they need to understand more families will want to try this method of feeding either in whole or in part and it might be that companies want to look towards including some food derived ingredients in their standard formulas um there are already some companies not in the uk that are promoting um actually fully blended feeds and in, in a pouch form um, that are sterile that, that that people can use but you know that that's not always what parents want they often want to be able to blend their own foods and i think that you know healthcare professionals are going to grow in confidence as more information comes forward and I think that you know hospitals and schools are, are moving towards making it more um, acceptable and uh, easier for for parents to continue to use a, a, a blended diet in those situations. So Claire are blended diets suitable for everyone? Blended diet isn't suitable for everyone um for lots of reasons it, it may be that we can't get the right um, sort of nutrients in, in in a blended diet for a family um, but actually at the very initial stage what what we need to think about is you know how how much effort is going to be needed for um a family to to do a blended diet for their child so first of all i mean they'll need a power, a, a really powerful blender to enable you to blend down the food to the right consistency um, they need to think about how they'll store the the blends. Parents make these blends in various ways. Some of them will just literally puree up the food, blend the food down at the time they feed the meal. Others will um, have a, a a really sort of big session of, of making uh, batches of blends and they have specific recipes that they use and they'll blend those down and then they might store those. Um, in the freezer and, and and just get them out when they need them but i mean i either of the methods can, can be quite time consuming and they need planning um, the cost of of doing a blender diet can be quite prohibitive sometimes because not only the cost of this really powerful blender but there's there's the the containers to store the things in and also some of the foods chosen um can often be quite expensive um foods and 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 um, you know that isn't possible for Um, for everyone another thing that 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 families need to consider and that can be a bit of a challenge is food hygiene i mean obviously food hygiene is important for all of us but um When we're thinking about food hygiene, um, we need to be clear about how we're preparing the food and how we're storing it. We need to make sure that our kitchen is clean, we're washing our hands. Um, And we also need to think about how we're going to transport it so that we keep it at, you know, fridge temperature or or, or below for the duration um, of of its little journey. We need to think about what kind of foods we're using. So so we would usually say avoid high risk foods um, like poultry, rice and eggs can be tricky if your child is going into hospital or if your child is going to to respite because not all of these places are able to um, accommodate a a blended diet for various reasons and so we often at the initial stages will have a, a discussion with families about you know what are you going to do in this situation are you able to think about using a formula in that kind of situation because it's better to sort of think about that before you actually get admitted as an emergency patient somewhere so can you put a blended diet through a pump the recommendation is that you don't put a blended diet um, through a pump the pumps are not licensed for um, delivering it but by the by the companies that make them um, and food hygiene then becomes a little bit more of a risk because obviously you've potentially got this um, feed hanging around for for a while in a bag and, and it's not sterile so actually that sometimes needs a bit of manipulation by the dietitian to work out if you had a, a child that is having a, a long pump feed or perhaps an overnight pump feed how can you move things around and, and give those by bolus instead of instead of pump so by a, a syringe bolus. So in your opinion what does the future of blended diets and enteral feeding look like? I think the the future for blended diets is is really exciting. I think I've seen um, o- over the past few years, it's really gathering pace and momentum. Um, the BDA toolkit is coming out later in um, in the year. It was unfortunately held up by the by the pandemic, but it's definitely on its way. So I think more and more families are going to want to um, try giving a, a blended diet either in whole or in part, or perhaps combining that with. Um, with a formula does um, have some food derived ingredients in um and i think there are some companies already not in the uk that are promoting um fully blended uh feeds in 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 a commercial format in pouches i think that healthcare professionals are going to really grow in confidence as more evidence becomes available uh, about um blended diets and i think that um you know schools hospitals respite centers are are also going to become a bit more open to the idea and that's going to make it easier for families to um to choose to give blended diets so claire why do you think there's been an increase in the use of
0: blended diets
1: well it's interesting because blended diets is really sort of started in in countries like america where um the cost of medical formulas is quite prohibitive for families um but it's it's moved across. Uh, it's, it's moved across to the UK. And I think um, parent power has been really important in that, you know, good news travels fast. And when I um, have, have been working with children in a particular school, often you'll find that if one family starts to do it, then you find a few more um, show interest in doing it because it, it's something that they they talk about and parents are very good at supporting each other and um it's ex- it's ex- changing ideas and 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 they're very happy to to share their knowledge and, and their experiences with other families so I, I think that's one one reason why it you know why it's spreading goodness me I feel so well updated Claire and I could keep on
0: asking questions <laughs> um so thank you for that but we must wrap up and at the end of each podcast Um, I ask guests to leave um, listeners with a key message. The title of this episode is An Introduction to the Use of Blended Diets in Entry Nutrition. So what key message or takeaways would you leave for our listeners?
1: I would say blended diets is um, a very exciting area of dietetics. I think it is going to um, be around for a long time and I think we're going to see increasing um, interest in it and increasing research and I would say to all dietitians it's a really um, really fascinating thing to be uh, involved in and, and I guess it sort of takes us back to our roots you know we're dietitians because we love food. I love that take home message.
0: <laughs> if listeners want to get more information um, about you and um, perhaps about the Diets where should they go?
1: If you want to find out more about blended diets, I think the, the BDA website is a good place to start. Have a look at the uh, position statement and the, um, and the toolkit um, that's going to be hopefully uh, a- appearing there later this year. Um, if, if you want to connect with me, you want, want to ask me anything, want to find out anything else, um, I'm, I'm on social media. Um, my Instagram is at Diet. Um, and that's where you can contact me.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Claire. It's been so good speaking to you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Medical Nutrition. If you enjoyed the podcast and found the content useful, please share it with your colleagues and consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. For more information on this topic or to share your feedback, please visit the Nestle Health Science N Plus Hub or click on the link in the show notes.